everybody, and welcome to INE Live. Today is Tech Tuesday. I'm your host, Catherine Brown. We're so glad you're with us today. Uh, love to see all of you guys getting involved in chat. Got a couple first timers in here. Good morning to you, Ruyo. Nick Barker, glad you can join us today live. Uh, thanks to all of you for being here. Um, today we are talking about Python, what it is, how we use it here in INE, and how you can best be using it to achieve your career goals and your professional goals. First, uh, set you up here as we do each week, each time we stream here on INE Live, I wanna let you know we are streaming live right now across social media platforms, including LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch and YouTube. Be sure to like and subscribe on the social media platform you're using so you can stay in the loop when we do get live, get those notifications and be sure to catch all of our live streams. We want you to get involved. Talk to us, talk to each other. We love to see you guys all chatting with each other and answering each other's questions there in chat. We're monitoring chat here at INE. If you have a comment, go ahead and drop it in. If you have a question, please put a cue at the beginning of it so we can go get to those questions easily and find all of them. We will get to as many as we can today. Uh, we are joined by Martine Zunioni. Really great episode coming at you today. Martine is the director of software development here at INE, a co-founder of Remoter, a familiar brand to many of you guys uh, who are watching. It was acquired by INE back in 2019. Uh, so it's been part of the family for a few years now. Martine is absolutely brilliant when it comes to Python. Martine, thank you so much for being here today. Hello, Catherine. Thank you for having me. Very happy to be here. Awesome. All right, well, so let's let's just get started. Let's get to know you a little bit, Martine. Um, can you just start off by giving us a little bit of background? What, what got you started in um, in where you are today, kind of your journey there at Remoter and how you got over to INE? It's a very long story. Are you sure you want to go all that time? The, the uh, whole thing, Martin, minutes. the whole thing. <laughs> but don't start um, with, don't so start with, well, on the Python day I was born. You can skip that part. <laughs> uh, I started with Python probably 12, 13 years ago, back in college. Uh, so a long, long time ago, uh, I actually got engaged by one of my colleagues. We, we were working on a project together at that time in college. And I remember it was an electronic voting machine uh, for internal elections in the university. Um, the project was completely in Python. I didn't have any experience with Python at that time. And uh, my colleague told me, OK, here you have. He, uh, he gave me a Python book, read it during the weekend, and we get started next week, you know? And so that was my first approach to Python. Uh, after that, uh, the project was like, I don't know, six months probably, and it was very hard for me to get away from, from Python. It was my, my main and my favorite language since then. So I, I wanna jump in there um, a little bit. So you, Someone just handed you a, a book on Python, totally, um, you know, relatively foreign to you. What, what was your, what were your first thoughts just as you began to sit down and read? Well, at that time, again, 12 years ago, right? A long time ago, Python wasn't so popular as it is today. Um, I remember back in those, those days, there was a very tight battle between Ruby and Python, especially uh, back in, in the monolithic uh, systems uh, times. You had either Ruby on Rails or Python Django. And again, it was the community was totally divided at that time. Mm -hmm. So basically, it, it was a little bit of a bet. You know, uh, I chose Python. And today, it was a very good decision, I think. But uh, at that time, I didn't know. It was either, what do we do? Do we use Ruby, Python? What do we do? Uh, and again, it was basically 
I got engaged by, by, by this colleague and he basically forced me to do the decision, but I'm thankful today. It was a great decision, I think. Yeah, we're, we're also thankful because I know you've brought a lot of that knowledge um, to, to a lot of people. Um, all right, so talk to me a little about Remote or how, how did that journey begin? Um, so we, again, we, we were in college uh, with my co-founder, Santiago. Uh, we were, I, I've been always uh, related to education in general. Uh, I've been teaching in the university, uh, you know, uh, in a couple of different lectures. But uh, at that time, we started to teach programming online. So I think we started teaching uh, on-site with a small group of people in the university. And at some point, we decided to move online. Uh, there wasn't any Zoom or Meet at that time. Again, it, it was something like 2014, I think. Back in the old um, days. Yeah, the old era. <laughs> and we we started to teach online. We got a lot of people engaged. Uh, you know, every batch there were there were more and more people attending to the classes. Uh, and at some point we we kind of started creating content on top of that, creating platforms. Uh, and after you know, fast forward forwarding a little bit, uh, after three, four years, uh, we we merged into INE and we we, we kept growing content and platform and everything from within the company. So um, let's let's shift to, to that part of the conversation. Now let's talk about Python at INE. Um, and I guess just just jump right into it. When did INE really start using and embracing Python? And as far as the tech stack goes, is it 100% Python based? It is not. Yeah, that, uh, that's a good question, actually. There was an inflection point uh, in INE's history, and the merge with with, with Remoter or the merge of Remoter into INE was the inflection point when uh, basically we switched from a completely PHP-based stack back in the days of you know all the time until 2019, 2020. Um, so let let me do a, a, a brief summary of Remoter. Remoter was completely Python-based. The content we taught at that time was completely Python-based. The tools we taught, uh, libraries, everything was in Python. The tech stack we had was Python as well. And there was uh, a development team highly specialized in Python. Uh, so when we merged into INE, uh, basically we remoted had pretty much the same dev size as INE had uh, with PHP at that time. So we basically uh, ended up with 50% of PHP, 50% Python. And um, at that time, two years ago around, uh, INE was transitioning from a monolithic based architecture where maybe we can explain a little bit what is monolithic. Uh, basically in a monolithic architecture, you have just a handful of very big systems that do everything, you know, they have a lot of responsibility, they have a lot of features, they, uh, they help to different departments, they do everything in a single system. Uh, we were transitioning from that into uh, what we have today, maybe today we're uh, getting out of that a little bit, but um, we were transitioning into a microservices architecture, where it is 
exactly the opposite thing. You know, you have many small services with a very narrow responsibility, like small scope. And um, back in the days when remote showing I and basically we were transitioning from there and we took the chance to rewrite a little bit, a couple of those systems or functionality into smaller services. And for that, we use Python. So we, we had a few PHP services, a few Python services. Right now, I'd say it's probably 50, 50. Um, uh, yeah. And we have the, the team size pretty much the same for Python and PHP. So it's working perfectly fine. Maybe with the recent acquisition of, of uh, Pentester Academy, the Python side is a little bit bigger because uh, PTA, as we call it, Pentester Academy is, uh, has a lot of Python code as well. But yeah, it, for sure it's not completely Python. We have a handful of different technologies going on, PHP and Python being the most used ones. So I, um... It would seem like a lot of companies are in the same position that INE is in, right? Um, where you've got a couple different uh, languages that you're merging together. So how do you handle two different tech stacks like PHP and Python coexisting within the same company? What are some of the challenges and um, you know some of the strategies that, that you can use to you know, work around some of those challenges? Well, with the microservices architecture, it's very simple because each microservice is completely independent from each other, you know, so uh, the this, this small system can be managed and developed by any of the teams independently from the other. They can work with the language they want. They can work with any library, frameworks, tools they want. Uh, they are not, not affecting the other team or the other's team. And um, as long as they have a clear API to communicate 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 between them, uh, you know, well documented, and there is a clear contract between each of the services, that's fine. It's every system is a black black box. It doesn't matter to the other teams how they work, how how they are working internally, or how we are managed, how how they are managed. Um, as long as the interaction works well. So yeah, it, it's not an issue to be honest. Each team works independently in uh, any of the assigned systems we have. And um, yeah, uh, we, we could potentially add more languages if we need. Uh, and as long as we keep these microservices uh, ecosystem we have in the company, that's totally fine. Of course, for many different reasons, it's not good to have so many languages, right? Because especially for you know, hiring, or uh, uh, processes within the company, conventions, uh, a lot of things. It's better to have, uh, uh, you know, just a few technologies because it's better to be very good at those technologies instead of uh, trying to be good at uh, many more. But yeah, it, it hasn't hasn't been a problem so far. So I'm curious when someone uh, comes onto the team, right? If they say they're very familiar in one of the languages like PHP or Python or something else. Um, how challenging is it to upskill them, I guess, to, to help them learn a new language? Is it like learning a completely new language or are there some um, transferable uh, skills there that you can learn easily? No, usually we, we hire people to be integrated in one of the teams, either PHP or Python. Um, historically, 
INE has been hired uh, experienced people, usually senior or senior developers. So um, usually the onboarding process is very smooth. You know? uh, they, they know the technology already. Uh, we have a couple of weeks of ramping up the, the, the new developer into all the systems we have, the processes we have, the development, the development uh, process. And after one, two weeks, they are ready to go. They can start writing code without any issues. But yeah, no, we we don't have a lot of uh, cross, you know, uh, moving between those teams because it's not that common to find a developer that knows Python and PHP at the, at the same time. So usually we either hire for PHP or, or for Python. Gotcha. Okay. That was just a, a question that I had going into it um, as a as a novice Python uh, not expert here. You are no, it's to totally so, fine. Um, so why it, it's I not the that, same case for other technologies like uh, front end, you know, uh, technologies like JavaScript. We have a whole JavaScript team as well, and it is more common to uh, hire a what we call a full stack developer that knows both front end and back end. Uh, so usually, for example, if they are full stack where the backend part is Python, maybe they know both Python and JavaScript. So in that case, it could be possible to maybe switch between uh, teams. But again, it's not very common for us. I see. Okay. So I know you answered this um, a little bit at the beginning, but I want to dive just a little bit deeper into why Python and not other languages. I mean, you said you got involved in it because basically someone handed yeah. you a book and you sat down and started reading. But, um, but you know, for 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 you and and for many others, like why why Python and not some other language? Yeah. Uh, so for INE specifically, it was kind of a coincidence, right? Because with the merge of Remoter, there there was like a. Uh, big team of developers already they are available very very specialized in python so it was a no-brainer to start using python as a technology but uh if you ask me personally uh if i have to start today or maybe if i have to advise my little daughter you know to start learning some programming language uh i still think python is a great option you know it's uh for for many reasons um first of all the the adoption and and the community over time if you if you check over the past 10 years probably uh the adoption has been growing and growing every year um especially i don't know five seven years ago when all the data science uh world started to grow around python uh with with a couple of big tools and frameworks like tensorflow keras you know uh uh, big companies supporting let's like, Facebook and Google behind those those frameworks uh, and all the tools we have like pandas for for data analysis um, the ecosystem is great right now and it's growing and growing every year if you compare that to other languages but back to the comparison I did at the beginning with, with Ruby for example uh, if you look the trend of Ruby compared to Python over the past 10 years it's rural you know it's uh, the, the difference now compared to what it was back in 2010, it was, uh, is terrible. So again, uh, I'd say community and, and, uh, the, 
how the market is growing around Python is one of the main reasons why I would recommend Python. Um, but um, there is something else uh, that I think is one of the things that uh, made me basically fall in love with Python back in the days. And is that it's so flexible to do anything you want. You know, Python is, you can use Python for pretty much everything from, from web development, uh, building APIs to IoT or data analysis, data science, machine learning. Um, you can do pretty much everything you want. And that's one of the things that uh, makes Python so interesting for me and for, for many people out there, right? So um, got some great questions coming in from our audience is watching on, on uh, our various social media channels. But I want to get to one because it's very, um, it's timely. It relates exactly to what we're talking about. This is SAC Cybertech asks, how powerful is Python versus the rest of the programming language? So when you have to tee it up head to head, how No, it depends. You can't, you can't do that. You can't compare languages in that way. You need to, uh, you know, give a little bit more of context Mm -hmm. um of what you want to do right it's it's like comparing two cars it it depends uh do you prefer a truck or a race car it depends are you in in, in a truck or in you know do you need to do some uh some work in in at home whatever so it depends depending on what, what you need to do and again the good thing about python is the flexibility python is maybe not the best for some specific thing, but it's very good for a lot of things. So when you put that in the scale, you know, it makes makes Python a very interesting option. All right. So to, to, to drill down on that a little bit more, we have another question. This is from, I'm going to try to get this right. XYZ123636. Great name. Uh, so they ask, is Perl better or is Python when it comes specifically to network engineers? Is what? I, I didn't see a question. Sorry. Perl better or Python? Oh, uh, well, I, I prefer Python. Actually, we, we do have a lot of, uh, of uh, Python for networking content at INE. Maybe you guys can check out. But uh, yeah, I would prefer Python, but uh, I have a little bit of bias in the decision, probably. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, so let's talk a little about uh, Python specifically at INE and get into that more. Um, what what specifically, how does INE use Python and harness all the power and all the possibilities and opportunities that it offers? Yeah. So uh, back to what I said before, as you can use Python for many different things, we at INE use Python for a lot of things. We, uh, starting from uh, web development, writing APIs, there are a couple of amazing tools like uh, Django and Django REST framework. We use uh, REST APIs in all of our systems. And in the Python side, we use uh, Django REST framework. It's basically a library on top of uh, Django. Django is the most popular uh, web framework for Python. And it's it's amazing. It saves us a lot of time. It um, Again, it's a library to build REST APIs in Python. Uh, and uh, you don't have to care about, you know, good conventions and all of that. Everything is resolved already by the library. So basically you use the library. You, you can either do everything in detail by hand, customizing everything, or 
in a couple of lines, you get a fully functional API. It, it's amazing. So it, it has the whole, um, the whole list of options, either customizing everything or doing it fast, you know, with, with the, with the uh, out of the box function functionality that the library offers. That's one part, uh, web development. We, we do a lot of scripting and automation. That's uh, another thing that I didn't mention before, but it's, it's super important in Python. Uh, Python has uh, this amazing thing of uh, open a terminal, you know, and start writing code right away. Uh, of course, without compiling, without anything, uh, which makes it super fast and fun to use. Um, uh, so scripting and, and automation, either I don't know web scraping, uh, a lot of things you can do with Python. Uh, we do a ton of data analysis and. Um, basically, yeah, uh, statistical analysis uh, internally in our team. We have a whole uh, Jupyter notebooks uh, environment internally that we use to connect to the different systems and do analysis, basically to understand how, how our students uh, consume our content, how they use, they use the platform, um, which of course may, makes us uh, take good decisions for the new features that are coming, you know, uh, new 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 functionalities we're adding to the platform and everything. So yeah, web development first, data analysis probably, scripting, automation. And we, we, we are playing a little bit with uh, machine learning, uh, starting to do a couple of things with that. Uh, there's going to come in the future for sure with Python as well. Uh, so yeah, a lot of things. What what kind of things can you can you do when it comes to machine learning with Python? Just because I'm I happen to be very interested in the machine learning um, area. So so what kind of possibilities are there? It's endless. Specifically for our niche for education is super interesting. We are aiming to uh, implement a few solutions that uh, basically uh, help our students to find the best way to get from the point E where they start at IE. You know, you're, imagine you got uh, joined INE, you log in, you create an account today, and your goal in X time is to get a CCNA certification from Cisco, something like that. Of course, at IE, you have the whole career path to learn everything from zero to the certification. But uh, the starting point from you and from me probably is different, right? So the the learning path for you and for me probably should be different. And it, it should be presented in a different way when you access a platform and when I access the platform. But uh, the question is, how can we do it? Of course, we, it's not scalable to do it in a manual way, right? To evaluate manually every single case. So we need to find a way to say, okay, Kath uh, is joining. Let's do uh, like a quick, uh, a quick test or a quick assessment of what's your initial status for uh, your networking knowledge. And we know that your target is the CNA certification. Okay. From your knowledge until this, this certification, what what content can you skip? What content you can't skip because you don't know it? So what's the optimal path for you from A to B? 
that's something we we can do with machine learning. We're doing some tests. Uh, it's something that is going to come in the future. Uh, it's very very exciting because at the end of the day, you are optimizing the learning process for students. So you're you're saving his time and money. So it's it's a big deal. Yeah, I'm super fascinated in the whole uh, machine learning area and just all the possibilities, everything that you you can do, and just I, I feel like it's. It's one of the areas where we haven't even begun to scratch the surface of what is possible. Um, and there's just so many opportunities. There is one very important thing that uh, before you can even start thinking about machine learning, you need to collect a ton of data. Because machine learning, you know, systems learn with data and you have to train them. And to train them, you have to provide data and have a ton of data, like sample data to train the model. So, uh, you know, it, it's. Uh, you need to, if you want to implement machine learning next year, you should start today collecting data. That's that's basically what you have to do. So it's, uh, yeah, that's that's what we, and when I say collecting data, it's trying to understand what uh, users are doing our platform, how they use it, uh, uh, and trying to get those, uh, those events in our platform so we can train the model for the future and, and do what we what we want, what we're aiming for. So um, a question coming in just now from Nick Barker. Uh, thanks for the question, Nick. He asks, can you give some examples of tasks you were able to automate using Python at INE or in your personal experience? Yeah, anything, anything you can. I, I mean, uh, anything from uh, daily or weekly reports that we need to send internally or to specific customers. Um, there are so many examples, you know, any task that you can do manually, there is a high chance that you can automate that in Python with just a couple of lines. Uh, so yeah, there are so many examples. We, we use it a lot. And, um, for example, web scraping, that, that's a, that's a very good example as well. If you need to, I don't know, find certain patterns or information in, in websites or anything, or if you need to process a CSV file that you downloaded from, from somewhere. Uh, there are very simple Python scripts that will help you to do that. And usually, you know, once I personally find that I repeatedly do the same task over and over again, I, I immediately say, okay, this is a good use case for Python script. I it takes some time to get the script running, but once the script is running, you know, you're totally free uh, and the script will do the, the job for you. They say that's the definition of insanity. It's doing the same thing over and over again. Just kidding. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> They'll drive you insane, right? That's why you have Python, so we can stop doing that <laughs> all the time. Um, all right, cool. Let's talk about the development cycle a little bit with Python. How? Do, what does it look like? Uh, okay, the, uh, the development cycle is, is very similar for PHP and Python at IE. They are, we, we, even though we had two different stack and technologies uh, working in parallel, the, the whole development cycle is the same, right? The, the dev team is one at the end of the day. So we, we share everything, but the technology is everything else. Um, so we use uh, a traditional Scrum uh, dev cycle. Uh, it's uh, very common. We 
we have the usually the C-level team defining what are the goals, you know, new features coming to the platform uh, together with the head of product that we have. Uh, we break that down into uh, epics or milestones that we need to um, do over time. Uh, we do regular planning meetings with the devs. We basically break one more time those big epics into uh, assignable tickets. Um, and basically, we estimate how much effort or time that will take and uh, we plan our sprints. We use uh, two-week sprints. Uh, that is a little bit different from one team to the other. Um, one, sometimes we use one-week sprints or two-week sprints. Uh, it depends. One team maybe releases uh, more often once the feature is ready. Another team releases to production once the sprint is finished. But uh, yeah, we have freedom between, uh, we, we call them squads, the Python squad and the PHP squad. And um, uh, even though we, we follow all the same rules, we have freedom of, we, we have uh, team managers in each of the teams and each of the team manager decides uh, the, the very specific details of how they want to use it. But uh, in general terms, it's, it's a scrum. Yeah, it's a regular traditional scrum methodology. All right, so um, I, I want to take us back just a little bit to when we were talking about some of the um, some of the different microservices a few minutes ago. And uh, V1 Natami, hope I pronounced that right, asked a question that I want to circle back to. It says, what programming standards like JSON are most valuable when communicating between microservices of different programming languages? Exactly, yeah. Well, yeah, JSON is not a programming language. It's more like a transport layer between those services, right? And what we use JSON as uh, as this communication uh, channel between those services. Um, communication between microservices is probably the more difficult part uh, and the more the more you know chaotic part once the architecture grows and grows uh, because. Again, you, you have all the information spread across different services and uh, maybe you need to do something, but all the information you need is not in the system you're targeting. It's you know, spread across five, 10 different services. So communication is crucial and it's very hard. Um, and uh, yeah, we, 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 use, we use JSON for that uh, too. But uh, I don't remember the question exactly, what, what was it? Do we use JSON or? Yeah, let me go. Let me go back here. Uh, let me go back here and pull it up very quickly. Yeah, what programming standards are most valuable when it comes to communicating between oh, yeah. the microservices of the? Product? Yeah, no, I would say the, it doesn't matter too much uh, what what transport layer you use or what what uh, language you use to communicate. What is very important is what I said before of having a clear we call it contract is like uh making it very clear for every service how the api to use that service is what authentication and permission mechanisms we have what are the endpoints available uh again everything you need to know to use the service in the same way as when you use the twitter api you have a clear documentation of all the methods available if you have this role you can do this if you have that role you can do that um the same thing for all of the services we have. 
And the good thing about microservices is, which is probably one of the main advantages, is that uh, not always all the different services scale in the same way. So, for example, I don't know, one of the services we have is the content manager that we use internally. You know, the the content team uses to manage the content at IAM. Uh, the content manager will not scale in the same way as the main authentication system we use, right? That there is uh, constantly hit by thousands, thousands of users every day. Uh, if you have everything in a single monolithic system, either you scale everything or you don't, right? So, and in, if you scale, you're paying a lot of money in infrastructure costs. Uh, and if you don't, maybe you can't cope with the, with the traffic. So with smaller microservices and a more granular architecture, we can do that. We can scale services differently. And uh, that, that's a very important feature of, of this architecture very reason. A question coming in from Nick Barker, who, by the way, in chat just coined the phrase Pythonista. So um, I'm going to expect that to be on a shirt that, uh, that, that you wear next time you're on one of these episodes, Martin. Pythonista. That's <laughs> so Nick, Nick <laughs> asks. I like it. I like it. Right. It's, it's the new it's the new phrase. All right. So Nick says, I see your bookshelf is filled with all the fun books. Do you feel that leveraging statistics is important to become a high level programmer? Uh, statistics, statistics is very important for life in general, for any decision you, you want to take, you know, uh, for programming. Exactly. That depends on the vertical you're targeting. Uh, if you're doing web development, maybe stats is not very important. But uh, for anything related to data analysis uh, or data science in general, it's fundamental. It's, I'd say it's one of the first thing I, uh, you will need to learn before you get started. Fundamental. It's like right? the foundations, you know, it's, it's the foundations. Yeah. Everything is on top of that. Gotta have it. And it doesn't matter if you use Python or any other language, uh, R or any other tools. Um, Statistics, uh, statistical, you know, theory is the baseline for everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So a lot of questions coming in. Um, very popular question from people who want to get started in Python. Whether they've they've been working um, in programming but not using Python, but um, or they're they're just starting out. So someone wants to learn Python. Where do they start? Uh, okay, so first of all, it, I think it's a good decision. So uh, move forward, try to learn. Um, there are there are a ton of books. You know, today if you want to learn, I, I think it's there are so much information. There is so much information online that it's it's harder to try to filter the information rather than find the information. So I'd say start with. Uh, any of, of the most popular books, there is one uh, that is called uh, Python for Everyone, which is uh, even translated to so many languages. So you can find uh, the book in your your uh, native language if you want and read that. That's the first step. Um, there are so many free, uh, free material online, either YouTube or so many other places. And also, uh, I have to say, we, 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 have a, uh, we have a free offering as well, the starter path. We have a development career path that, or learning path that you can follow. Um, we have amazing Python instructors there teaching Python. Uh, some of them were former 
remoter team members as well. So I know them very much. Uh, and yeah, many of them are available for free in our Sour Pass. So you can uh, go to hiany.com and sign up and start learning there. Yeah, and uh, Cyber Lola is dropping some links into our YouTube chat right now um, with links to everything Python related on the INE platform, Python for Pentesters course at Pentester Academy, which of course INE um, recently acquired within the last few weeks. So definitely if you're interested in getting started in that or, or just learning a little bit more about what INE offers when it comes to Python, check out um, those links on YouTube that, uh, that uh, Cyber Lola has just posted. Um, Quick question from Stefan watching on YouTube. Stefan, thanks for the question. He's looking for some advice. I've just started the CCNA path. Should I stay, start in the same time the Python courses or wait and finish the CCNA course first and then continue with Python? No, uh, if you can. I mean, depending on your availability, of course, and the time you have. But uh, uh, a scripting language like Python for networking, it, it's super useful. So if you can uh, getting started with Python in parallel, you know, and trying to learn because um, programming in general and any language is not, it's not something that you can learn overnight. You need to start slowing. It's like learning a, a language, you know. Uh, you can't sit for one month, 24 hours a day and start speaking Japanese. I don't know. It's, it takes time, uh, you know, it needs to consolidate in your mind and the sooner you start, the better. Great advice. Uh, super interesting information today. Martine, um, before we wrap it up, just want to throw it out to you to see if there's anything else that you wanted to mention, anything you want to bring up, or um, you know, just, just advice that you want to give to our audience when it comes specifically to uh, the application of Python. No, uh, again, I, I'm a little biased here, but uh, I would advise everybody to at least uh, check Python and uh, maybe you already have a main language uh, like JavaScript, which is massively adopted. Um, the, the thing that, uh, you know, makes me feel so good about Python is this possibility of wherever you go, uh, anything you do, pretty much everything, there is Python support, you know, uh, even we, we were playing the other day uh, with uh, the Ethereum blockchain. Uh, the Ethereum is this uh, cryptocurrency. Uh, you can connect to the blockchain with Python. There is one Web3Pi client uh, that has a lot of contributions and you can connect to the blockchain with Python. So again, it's I, I like to do this analogy of uh, Python being kind of the English of the languages, uh, you guys are so lucky that you, wherever you travel, everybody speaks English, right? Um, my native uh, language is Spanish, and uh, I've been speaking English for so many years, and I can barely speak now. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, uh, it, it's still uh, uh, I still need some extra, a little bit effort of my mind to to uh, speak uh, English wherever I, I go. Uh, but uh, on the other hand, you can, when you travel anywhere, you can speak e English natively. With Python, it's the same. You have one main language, Python, and wherever you go, you can speak Python because it's, there is support everywhere. Interesting analogy. I like it. I like it. 
Um, before we wrap up, I do uh, one one more quick question just popped in um, on LinkedIn. So I just want to get to this because we have uh, just a little extra time. Um, real quick, Martin, do you see the benefit in using C language over Python for networking automation? Well, uh, yeah, that, that's one of the things that I said before when I, when I said uh, it depends on what you're doing uh, to see if Python is the best option or not. Uh, if you want to do something very, very specific for networking, I don't know, rewriting the middleware of a router, something like that, or, you know, something very, very low level, very specific, uh, probably C or C++ is a better option. But again, it's something, it's a niche, it's very specific, um, and uh, I would I, say it's not comparable to Python in that case, because it's, uh, again, you're working on something very, very specific where probably Python is not the best option. Awesome. All right. Thank you for that. Uh, Martin, thank you for your time today. Really appreciate it and your expertise. Um, I know I've I've learned a ton um, and it, I hope our audience has as well. I uh, love to see a very engaged chat uh, today. So thank you. Um, Martin, again, uh, thanks. Thanks for being here today. Go learn Python, right? Thank you, Catherine. Very happy <laughs> to be here. Thank you. Awesome. All right. Well, that wraps up today's stream. If you missed it live, be sure to look for the replay across our social media channels and on the INE website. You can look for us again live one week minus one day from today. So next week is Thanksgiving week. So instead of Tech Tuesday, we will be doing a Tech Monday. That will be Monday, November 22nd. We will have a special Thanksgiving week Tech Tuesday. We're hosting a fireside chat AMA. So bring all your good questions. We'll have more details in the next couple of days. Be sure to like and subscribe on the social media platform you're using so you can stay in the loop when we do post details on this upcoming Tech Monday. We'll call it Tech Monday. Uh, and then you'll get the notifications when we go live. So thank you so much. We'll see you next time. Until then, have a great week.